0: Hi, welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be about Helaman chapter 5 this time. Remember in the last chapter, the Nephites have begun to be a little bit more wicked again, and they're fearful because there's more Lamanites than them, and so they're afraid that the Lamanites might come and attack them again. And so uh, let's get into chapter 5 here and see what happens. So we got Nephi and Lehi. Remember, these are sons of Helaman. And uh, they're going to go out and do some preaching. So let's uh, see what happens here in verse 1. And it came to pass that in the same year, so this is around 30 B.C. or so, behold, Nephi delivered up the judgment seat to a man whose name was Caesorum, for as their laws and their governments were established by the voice of the people, and they who chose evil were more numerous than they who chose good. Remember that um, Mosiah had said that uh, if the people chose wickedness over righteousness, that when that happened, uh, then they were ripe for destruction. Um, so this is a quote here. Um, let me see here. Uh, we'll find out who it is at the end. I think it's Joseph B. Worthen. Uh He says, in other words, in a democracy or a, re- or a republic, when the majority of the people desire wickedness and become more numerous than they who choose righteousness, the people can no longer be governed by law or by justice. This principle applies to our form of government, of constitutional government. We who live in the United States tend to feel that we would always be protected by the Constitution. However, some experienced polit- political scientists And jurists have said that if the day ever comes that the majority favor that which is morally wrong, we as a people would not be safe even with a constitution. John Adams often expressed his conviction that a nation's liberty is ultimately dependent upon the morality of the people. President Adams is quoted as saying, the constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Um... And uh, that was from the Book of Mormon Symposium. Joseph B. Worthland said, If television viewing choices serve as a valid measure of our society, they who choose evil surely are more numerous than they who choose good. Continuing verse 2, Therefore they were ripening for destruction, for the laws had become corrupted. Yea, and this was not all. They were a stiff-necked people, insomuch that they could not be governed by the law nor justice, save it were to their destruction. And it came to pass that Nephi had become weary because of their iniquity, and he yielded up the judgment seat and took took it upon him to preach the word of God all the remainder of his days, and his brother Lehi also all the remainder of his days. For they remembered the words which their father Helaman spake unto them, and these are the words which he spake. Now the theme again here is to remember. Remember President Kimball? Well, we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, verse 6. Behold, my sons, I desire that ye should remember to keep the commandments of God, and I would that ye should declare unto the people these words. Behold, I have given unto you the names of our first parents who came out of the land of Jerusalem, and this I have done, that when ye remember... Your names, ye may remember them, and when ye remember them, ye may remember their works, and when ye remember their works, you may know how that it is said and also written that they were good. President Kimball said, When you look in the dictionary for the most important word, do you know what it is? It could be remember, because all of you have made covenants. You know what to do, and you know how to do it. Our greatest need is to Remember. That is why everyone goes to sacrament meeting every Sabbath day to take the sacrament and listen to the priests pray that they may always remember him and keep his commandments which he has given them. Nobody should ever forget to go to sacrament meeting. Remember is the word. Verse 7. Therefore, my sons, I would that ye should do that which is good, that it may be said of you and also written, even as it has been said and written of them. And now, my sons, behold, I have somewhat more to to desire of you, which desire is that ye ye may not do these things, that ye may boast, but that ye may do these things to lay up for yourselves a treasure in heaven. Orson Hyde said, Whenever I see the hungry and feed, feed him, the naked and clothe him, the sick and distressed and administer to their wants, I feel that I am laying up treasure in heaven. When I am educating my children and embellishing their minds and fitting them for usefulness, I am laying up treasures in heaven. I would ask that little boy who is well educated and well trained, What thief can enter in and steal the knowledge you have got? It is beyond the power of the thief to steal. It is out of his reach. That treasure is laid up in heaven. For for where is there a place more sacred than the hearts of the rising generation, which beat with purity and with love to their parents and with love to God and his kingdom? What better place can you find in which to deposit treasures than that? But all our obligations are not pointing to one source or quarter. There are many ways in which we can lay up treasures in heaven by doing good here on the earth. Uh, Continuing verse 8, Yea, which is eternal, and which fadeth not away, yea, that ye may have that precious gift of eternal life, which we have reason to suppose hath been given to our fathers. O remember, remember, my sons, the words which King Benjamin spake unto his people. Yea, remember that there is no other way nor means whereby man can be saved, only through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, who shall come. Yea, remember that he cometh to redeem the world." And remember also the words which Amulek spake unto Zeezrom in the city of Ammonihah. For he said unto him that the Lord surely should come to redeem his people, but that he should not come to redeem them in their sins, but to redeem them from their sins. And he hath power given unto him from the Father to redeem them from their sins because of repentance. Therefore he hath sent his angels to declare the tidings of the conditions of repentance, which bringeth bringeth unto the power of the Redeemer who unto unto the salvation of their souls. And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation. So that's a scripture mastery verse. And we'll finish in a minute after this brief word from our sponsor. I'm sorry, here's a comment or two. Every person builds a house of faith. We do so knowingly or unknowingly. And every builder soon learns that a good foundation with bad found, that a good building with bad foundations is worse than useless. It is dangerous. As one Christian writer has observed, if the stability of buildings depends largely on their foundations, so does the stability of human lives. The search for personal security is a primal instinct, but many fail to find it today. Old familiar landmarks will be obliterated. Moral absolutes, which were once thought to be eternal, are being abandoned. Thus our house of faith can, no, can be no more secure than the foundation upon which it is built. Foolish men build upon the shifting sands of ethics and the marshlands of human philosophies and doctrines. The wise build upon the rock of revelation, heeding carefully the living oracles, lest they be brought under, under condemnation and stumble and fall, when the storms descend and the winds blow and the rains descend and beat upon their house. All that we do as members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints must be built upon a foundation of faith and testimony and conversion. When external supports fail us, then our hearts must be riveted upon the things of the Spirit, those internal realities which provide the meaning, the perspective, and the sustenance for all else that matters in life. Surely the supreme challenge of this life for those of us who aspire to Christian discipleship is to build our lives on Christ, To erect our house of faith, a divine domicile in which he and his spirit would be pleased to dwell. There is safety from Satan and his minions only in Christ. There is security only in his word and through his infinite and eternal power. How then do we build on Christ? In a day when the winds are blowing and the waves are beating upon our ship, how do we navigate our course safely into the peaceful harbor? What must we do to have our Savior pilot us through life's tempestuous seas? Amidst the babble of voices, enticing voices, which threaten to lead us into forbidden paths, or which beckon us to labor in secondary causes, how do the saints of the Most High know the way, live the truth, and gain that life which is abundant? The revelations and the prophets offer us some simple yet far-reaching suggestions. The author goes on to describe four steps. One, treasure up his word. Two, teach his doctrine. Three, sustain his servants. And four, trust in and rely upon the Lord. And that was by Robert Millet. Elder Richard G. Scott said, Anchor your life in Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. Make your eternal Father and His beloved Son the most important priority in your life, more important than life itself, more important than a beloved companion or children or anyone on earth. Make their will your central desire, then all that you need for happiness will come to you. Continuing verse 12 that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, and he will send them forth, notice he's not saying if, but when, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, when God sends angels, Satan sends his angels, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. Every person builds a house of faith. If it is built upon false philosophies, it will fall. If built upon Christ's philosophies, it will last. Verse 13, And it came to pass that these were the words which Helaman taught unto his sons. Yea, he did teach them many things which are not written, and also many things which are written. And they did remember his words, and therefore they went forth, keeping the commandments of God, to teach the word of God among all the people of Nephi, beginning at the city bountiful. And from thenceforth to the city of Gid, and from the city of Gid to the city of Mulek, and even from one city to another, until they had gone forth among all the people of Nephi, who were in the land southward, and from thence into the land of Zarahemla among the Lamanites. This sounds like the same cities that Alma and Amulek went to. Verse 17, And it came to pass that they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over from the Nephites, insomuch that they came forth, and did confess their sins, and were baptized unto repentance, and immediately returned to the Nephites, to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given unto them that they might speak, and they they also had what they should speak given unto them. Therefore they did speak unto the great astonishment of the Lamanites to the convincing them, insomuch that there were eight thousand of the Lamanites who were in the land of Zarahemla and round about baptized unto repentance, and were convinced of the wickedness of the traditions of their fathers. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did proceed from thence to go to the land of Nephi. And it came to pass that they were taken by the by an army of the Lamanites and cast into prison, Yea, even in that same prison in which Ammon and his brethren were cast by the servants of Limhi. And after they had been cast into prison many days without food, behold, they went forth into the prison to take them that they might slay them. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi were encircled about as if by fire, even insomuch that they durst not lay their hands upon them for fear, lest they should be burned. Nevertheless, Nephi and Lehi were not burned, and they were as standing in the midst of fire and were not burned. And when they saw that they were encircled about with a pillar of fire, and that it burned them not, their hearts did take courage. For they saw that the Lamanites durst not lay their hands upon them, neither durst they come near unto them, but stood as if they were struck dumb with amazement. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did stand forth and began to speak unto them, saying, Fear not, for behold, it is God that has shown unto you this marvelous thing in the which is shown unto you that ye cannot lay your hands on us to slay us. And behold, when they had, see, had said these words, the earth shook exceedingly, and the walls of the prison did shake as if they were about to tumble to the earth. But behold, they did not fall, and behold, they that were in the prison were Lamanites and Nephites who were dissenters. And it came to pass that they were overshadowed by with a cloud of darkness, and an awful solemn fear came upon them. And it came to pass that there came a voice as if it were above the cloud of darkness, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, and seek no more to destroy my servants whom I have sent unto you to declare good tidings. And it came to pass that when they heard and it came to pass when they heard this voice and, behold, and beheld that it was not a voice of thunder, neither was it a voice of a great tumultuous noise, but behold, it was a still voice of perfect mildness, as if it had been a whisper, and it did, pierce every to the, every, it did pierce even to the very soul. Elder Oaks said, Each of us should be careful that the current flood of information does not occupy our time so completely that we cannot focus on and hear and heed the still small voice that is available to guide each of us with our own challenges today. Verse 31, and notwithstanding the mildness of the voice, but behold, the earth shook exceedingly, and the walls of the prison trembled again as if as if it were about to tumble to the earth, and behold, the cloud of darkness, which had overshadowed them, did not disperse. And behold, the voice came again, saying, Repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and seek no more to destroy my servants. And it came to pass that the earth shook again, and the walls trembled. And And also again the third time the voice came, and did speak unto them marvelous words, which cannot be uttered by man. Who Nibbly said, so great and marvelous were the words which he prayed that they cannot be written, neither can they be uttered by man. Well, the question arises, how can you tell me something about them and the words he said? Can you give me an idea? The multitude did hear and bear record and somebody comes and says, well, he said marvelous things. Did you understand it? Yes, we understood it with our hearts. Well, tell me what he said. Can you give me an idea? And then he says, no, I can't. Can't you give me some idea? No. I walk into a room where there are a lot of quantum physicists, highest bracket having a conference. I listen to them for a while and then go out. Somebody says, well, Mr. Nibley, can you tell me what they said in there? I say, heavens, I can't tell you. I can't even dream what they were talking about. It was way out there. There are plenty of things you can hear and not report or understand or anything else. Yet at the time, you could have been enormously impressed. Uh, continuing verse 33, and the walls did tremble again, and the earth shook as if it were about to divide asunder. And it came to pass that the Lamanites could not flee because of the cloud of darkness which did overshadow them. Yea, and also they were immovable because of the fear which did come upon them. Now there was one among them who was a Nephite by birth, who had once belonged to the church of God, and had but had dissented from them. And it came to pass that he turned him about, and behold he saw through the cloud of darkness the faces of Nephi and Lehi, and behold they did shine exceedingly even as the faces of angels, and he beheld that they did lift their eyes to heaven, and they were in the attitude of talking, as if talking or lifting their voices to some being whom they beheld. Elder McConkie said, Transfiguration is a special change in appearance and nature which is wrought upon a person or thing by the power of God. This divine transformation is from a lower to a higher state, it results in a more exalted, impressive and glorious condition. By the power of the Holy Ghost, many prophets have been transfigured so as to stand in the presence of God and view the the visions of eternity. Speaking of such an occasion in my life, Moses recorded, Now mine own eyes have beheld Or in his own life, sorry, I didn't mean to make it sound like it was a little McConkie. I'll start it over. Speaking of such an occasion in his life, Moses recorded Now mine own eyes have beheld God, but not my natural, but my spiritual eyes, for my natural eyes could not have beheld. For I should have withered and died in his presence, but his glory was upon me, and I beheld his face, for I was transfigured before him. On another occasion, when Moses came down off the mount, having communed with the Lord for ten days and nights, the skin of his face shone, so that he had to put a veil on his face as he talked with the children of Israel. Similarly, when the three Nephites were caught up into heaven, and saw and heard unspeakable things, they were transfigured. Whether they were in the body or out of the body, they could not tell, for it did seem unto them like a transfiguration of them, that they were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state, that they could behold the things of God. Paul had a similar experience, as also did Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon. Verse thirty-seven, and it came to pass that many that, and it came to pass that this man did cry unto the multitude that they might turn and look, and behold, there was power given unto them that they did turn and look, and they did behold the faces of Nephi and Lehi, and they said unto the man, Behold, what do all these things mean, and who is it with whom these men do converse? Now the man's name was Amminadab, and Amminadab said unto them. They do converse with the angels of God. And it came to pass that the Lamanites said unto him, What shall we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? This is the same question we each must ask to dispel the darkness around us. Remember that when Lehi saw his vision of the tree of life, that he was first in a wilderness of darkness for a long time until he pled uh, for mercy that the darkness be removed. And that's something that we all still need to do from a spiritual standpoint. Verse 41, And Aminadab said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ. Faith is a gift of God. In what manner does he impart this gift to the mind by the immediate operation of the Holy Spirit, independent of any other means? Does he bestow it unsought for and irrespective of the preparation of the mind? Does he confer it independent of the agency of man? To say that man obtains this gift without preparing himself or without the exercise of any agency is to deprive him of all responsibility in regard to whether he has faith or not. That was by Orson Pratt. Continuing verse 41. uh, Faith in Christ who was taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. The Book of Mormon does not expressly give the identity of the people who were in the prison at the time of the miraculous manifestation mentioned in Helaman 5. However, a clue as to those who, as to who these people were is given by Aminadab, when he said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ, who was taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. The only time Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom were on a missionary trip together was to the apostate Zoramites, who were then living in the land of Antionum. The Zoramites later fled from this area and joined with the Lamanites in the greater land of Nephi. And from this statement by Amminadab, we learn they have now occupied the land of Lehi-Nephi, which had just been deserted by Limhi and his people. Again, the Book of Mormon proves to be a very complex book, but also a wonderfully consistent one. And that was by Daniel Ludlow. So back to verse 41. And when ye shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. And it came to pass that they did they all did begin to cry into the voice of him who had shaken the earth. Yea, they did cry even until the cloud of darkness was dispersed. Geoffrey R. Holland said, Ye shall have faith in Christ, and when ye shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. This brightness of hope and unspeakable joy in God's power and comfort comes even in everyday matters for me. Only as I prayerfully exert my right to his spirit. If in my heart I go to God the moment I feel even the slightest intimation of fear or darkness or worry, instead of waiting to let it accumulate, if I speak to God even as my most trusted friend, my wisest counselor and stay there in my heart or on my knees talking to him long enough, I can always see a ray of light at the edge of these dark shadows. Most important, I can then leave his presence with my heart singing. This does not mean that my troubles have dissolved. They probably haven't, but I somehow have the power to see above and around and through those clouds of darkness with greater calm and peacefulness. I know that he will, with time, help me to dissipate them completely. Out of sorrow and despair we are, through the comforting, protecting grace of God, lifted out of our weakness to the very summit of spiritual, peaceful transcendent transcendence that, without the Father of all comfort, could only be dreamed about from afar." Verse 43, And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about and saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them, behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. So the pillar of fire that encircled Nephi and Lehi is now encircling these people in in the prison. And Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, yea, they were encircled about, yea, they were as if in the midst of a flaming fire, yet it did not harm them. Neither did it take hold upon the walls of the prison, and they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. And behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire, and they could speak forth marvelous words. And it came to pass that there came a voice unto them, yea, a pleasant voice, as if it were a whisper of saying, Peace, peace be unto you, because of your faith in my well-beloved, who was from the foundation of the world. And now when they heard this, they cast up their eyes as if to behold from whence the voice came. And behold, they saw the heavens open, and angels came down out of heaven administered unto them. There never has been a gospel dispensation without the ministering of angels. A people who cannot claim the ministering of angels cannot claim an everlasting gospel. Without the ministering of angels and other forms of revelation, our theology would be like a body without a spirit. That was by Milton McConkie. Joseph Smith explained that there are no angels who minister to this earth, but those who do belong or have belonged to it. Thus, President Joseph F. Smith observed, when messengers are sent to minister to the inhabitants of this earth, they are not strangers, but from the ranks of our kindred, friends, and fellow beings, and fellow servants. The ancient prophets who died were those who came to visit their fellow creatures upon the earth. They came to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It was such beings, holy beings, if you please, who waited upon the Savior and administered to him on the mount. In like manner, our fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters and friends, who have passed away from this earth, having been faithful and worthy to enjoy these rights and privileges, may have a mission given them to visit their relatives and friends upon the earth again, bringing from the divine presence messages of love, of warning or reproof and instruction to those whom they had learned to love in the flesh. Verse 49, And there were about three hundred souls who saw and heard these things, and they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, neither should they doubt. These three hundred people become the bulwark of the converted Lamanites to whom Samuel would preach. And it came to pass that they did go forth and did minister unto the people, declaring throughout all the regions round about all the things which they had heard and seen, insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. So we go from two missionaries, being Lehi and Nephi. Now we have over 300 missionaries. Verse 51. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war and also their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. And it came to pass that they did yield up unto the Nephites the lands of their possession. The preaching of the word had a more powerful effect upon the people even more than the sword or anything else. Remember that scripture that's been used before. I bear testimony that these things are true, that we are reading translated material and translated by the gift and power of God by Joseph Smith. And bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Talk to you later. Just ignore that phone that you heard earlier.